This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio Season 2, Episode 35. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 35 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hatton and Randy Zickenfoos, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Zickenfoos. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. Hello, Randy. Hello again, Lynn. We've had several <laughs> podcast recordings today, and we're excited to get these out. So who are we talking to this evening? So we are following up on a connection that you made when you were in San Francisco at Remind Inc. and talking with Jordan Pedraza and um, really looking forward to hearing what Jordan has to say and learning with Jordan. And after working with Google for five years, Jordan's currently the head of community at Remind Inc., an education technology startup in San Francisco that provides a messaging app for schools. And some of our teachers are, are using that app with their students. She wears many hats in her role, business development, partnerships, marketing, product, and support. Jordan serves on the Pomona College Alumni Board and currently serves as president of the board of 2016-17. As a former Google employee, she leads community for Xooglerpreneurs, a group of 800 former Googlers who are involved with entrepreneurship as founders, consultants, or employees of startups across the world. Welcome, Jordan. Hello, thank you for having me. So let's give the audience a little bit of background here and uh, how we've made this connection to Jordan. So a a little over a month ago, I traveled with a group of educators from University of Pennsylvania, and we were in the San Francisco area, and we, we visited uh, numerous startups as well as schools. And one of the startups that we visited was Remind, and uh, had a really interesting conversation with Jordan about knowledge, skills, and mindsets of folks that work in the startup culture. Uh, so we're going to talk about that today and uh, probably talk about a couple of other things, too. Let's start off. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Remind. Yeah, so I've been at Remind for about a year, and I head up community and growth. And basically what that means is I kind of bring together and support all of our existing users, so teachers, principals, staff, students, and parents, and bring them all together so that uh, they can be kind of ambassadors and liaisons between their schools and communities and remind. So they're kind of our eyes and ears on the ground. They capture all the feedback and stories and best practices so that we can inform that in our product 
And then in return, uh, we rely on them to kind of spread the word and uh, support the broader community out there. Um, and then what I love about my role is that it's very cross-functional. I'm interfacing with product marketing, support, uh, business development, our product and engineering teams, and uh, really just trying to advocate for the voice of our communities and really make sure we are um, serving their needs and doing right by them and um, keeping everyone happy. So as our listeners know, and Randy has shared, one of the things that we've really been working hard at this year is um, developing a vision for for 2020 and trying to develop this profile of a graduate that articulates knowledge, skills, and dispositions we want our graduates to have when they leave Salisbury High School and go on to whatever's next for them, whether it's a career or college. Talk to us a little bit about the work environment at Remind and what are the required knowledge, skills, and dispositions or mindsets that your employees need to be successful there? Yeah, definitely. So here at Remind, we're at about maybe 70 people now, and um, our office setup is, is very open and collaborative. So we don't have cubicles. No one has their own private closed office. Uh, we have our own tables instead. Each of us have standing desks so you can adjust the height to sit or stand and work. Uh, and we all have rolly chairs so we can easily roll around and collaborate and speak and work together. And then we have uh, conference rooms, uh, but all of the windows are clear. So it's always transparent and you can see who's meeting, um, and what they're working on. Um, and then the other parts of our office is that it's very colorful and bright. Uh, any couches or pillows or uh, walls uh, are either a bright yellow or bright blue or bright purple. So it's, it's very creative and very playful. When I've had some teachers visit us in our office, they said it felt like a giant maker space. We even have a little area where there's some plants and trees and swings and hopscotch uh, and then, of course, we have our kitchen where we have snacks and drinks to keep us energized. And then we also have a little all-hands area where we have a basketball hoop and half-court and bleachers. And this is where we have our all-hands all team meetings uh, and then also give company-wide presentations uh, or play some ping-pong or shoot some hoops. So the office environment is, is it's, it's casual but high energy. It's an interesting mix where you can feel like you can bring your full self to work. Um, but you also uh, have a lot of whiteboard space. You have a lot of pens and post-its. So it, it really is a makerspace, as the mm -hmm. teacher said. And then as far as what's required here to, to be successful. So the knowledge piece is interesting. Um, given that we're an education company, we do value folks who used to work in schools that have been teachers, um, maybe parents or students, uh, or some kind of uh, relationship with the education system in some capacity. So, so it's helpful to have that context more about cultures and attributes and processes and needs and challenges. Um, but then beyond that, I actually would say uh, the, the content, the knowledge is, is not as important. You know, we really look more for the skills and the experiences that you can bring to the table. And we expect and support you in learning the knowledge that you need to be successful here. Um, so, so that's what's really nice here is that we definitely make sure to have some folks here that have that education background and perspective. But what we really prioritize is uh, the skills and attributes we need. Mm -hmm. And as far as that, um, I think depending on the role and team, there's some variation there. But across the board, and it was funny 
Randy and I were speaking with another engineer and you know I'm not an engineer I don't code or build products but we were both nodding in agreement with what kind of skills are important it's pretty universal so <clears throat> excuse me critical thinking being able to take information and dig deeper you know have curiosity and want to ask additional questions um, and kind of never really being satisfied with just kind of the first um, initial signal that you get um, being persistent you know kind of related to that so knowing that the problems and opportunities we're facing are really hard you know there's no easy black or white right or wrong answer there's shades of gray there's you know certain approaches or methods that can help you solve that problem um, and so how do we figure out what we prioritize you know what will have the most impact uh, so being persistent being analytical um, and then interpersonal skills is another huge one being able to influence others and and collaborate effectively um, especially when we do come from different perspectives different backgrounds we're working on different things myself as a community manager I'm very external facing uh, I tend to think more qualitatively I think about our sentiment our engagement you know user understanding and empathy for engineers, they think a lot more in numbers and quantitatively. You know, if we build this one feature, how many users will that impact? Uh, how many people will adopt this? Uh, so how do I come to them when I need help, when I have insights to share or an idea that we can collaborate on? Uh, how do I package my insights into ways that they'll understand? And then vice versa, you know, how can they translate the work they do um, into language and, and examples that, that I'll understand or that our communities will understand. Um, so, so interpersonal skills and, and being able to influence and present to each other effectively is also really important. Communication skills, I think that's definitely uh, one that gets taken for granted, but you know, as a communication company for, for schools, that's also really important. But even if we weren't doing that, um, every day we communicate. We mm -hmm. all use different forms. Uh, we use email, we use documents, we use you know, Skype or Hangouts, we use social media, we use blogs, we're uh, meeting in person, we're on the phone. There's so many ways, we're texting, there's so many ways that we're communicating. And so being able to tailor uh, your style and your tone and, and the words you're using to each audience, whether it's a teacher, a principal, a student, a parent, a colleague, a partner, an investor, yeah. You know, there's and then the <laughs> format. You know, what kind of content? What kind of tone? Um, how long should it be? Those, those are actually, I would say that's probably the most important skill um, across the board. Because if you can't communicate, then you can't work together. You can't understand each other. You can't accomplish your goals. So, uh, so yeah. Those and then creativity. I would say is is the last one. Um, you know, for us, we have very ambitious goals. We we really want to seek to connect every student and parent and teacher and principal out there in the world to improve education. Um, and so that means um, with a small team and, and limited resources, we have to be really scrappy. You know, we have to be willing to learn best practices, maybe what have others done before in this space, um, being able to think quickly. You know, if we have kind of the school year ending, wrapping and ending up right now, you know, what, what is the most important thing we want to communicate before everyone leaves? Uh, when we think about back to school, you know, when we want to kind of re-energize and have a fresh perspective on things, you know, how do we kind of put on all of our hats? Um, whether it's a more qualitative way of looking at a problem, more quantitative way, um, you know, how do we make sure what we're building resonates? And how do we 
execute that and bring that out to the community. So, um, so being able to have a creative lens and kind of go up to a blank whiteboard and think of what's our slogan going to be for back to school? Um, what should our swag look like? Um, <laughs> what should what colors should inform our style guides on our products and our case studies? You know, it's all these things that come together. Um, and that's the beauty of a place like Remind is, you know, everyone has these different skill sets and, and certain areas of expertise. Um, you know, again, for me, I'm more of the people person on our team, so I try to advocate for empathy and that user voice. Others think of it in terms of product and, and the numbers. And then others may think of, you know, the stylistic elements. So, uh, so yeah, so being able to, you know, work cross-functionally, um, have empathy, uh, be persistent, um, be creative, um, and, and, and have critical thinking, I would say, are the most important things to be successful here. So certainly a lot of these skills have come up as we have talked about um, what we're looking for in, in a graduate. You know, you mentioned creativity and empathy. These are topics that we've really been spending a lot of time talking about this year, communication and collaboration and, and perhaps um, you know, knowing your role as an individual and what you can bring to the team, but also being able to work collaboratively and draw on the strengths of your of your colleagues, and uh, most importantly, being able to and willing to learn. So, pretty exciting to hear that you're you're echoing what we have been discovering and and visioning for our for our profile. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with Lynn there. And one of the things that I'm really curious about is if you reflect back on. Uh, your K-12 education, even your college education, Jordan, where do you think you learned and developed those skills? Yes. So the exciting thing there for me, and when I see this myself in my role, when I'm supporting teachers in schools, um, it, it happens both inside the classroom and outside of it. You know, they're equally important. I almost feel like it's a nice symbiotic loop where in one place, maybe in the classroom, you're given that first pass at the content. You know, maybe you'll have your teacher facilitator walk you through it, do demonstrations, give you examples, you know, give you a little bit more of the context or details. Uh, and then outside, you get to apply it. Um, whether that's assignments or projects, whether it's talking about it with other students or your parents or friends. So you, you kind of need both. You need to take it in, but then what do you put out? Um, and, and for me, whenever I had to create something, especially something that others would see, it would just be for myself and kind of stick in a binder and, you know, collect dust. That's where I felt like it's almost, I have to become the teacher now. You know, if I have to show and explain what I'm learning and what I'm doing uh, for someone else, then that's where I feel like I have to master the material and I have to know how to communicate it effectively. Um, and so one, one particular example I have um, in my uh, AP U.S. History course, uh, and I'm from Alameda here in the Bay Area, so my teacher, Mr. Mano, he, I was just so excited to be in his class because I already heard stories from other students about the activities he did, that each kind of unit, there would be a very hands-on activity where we really got to dig deep into the material. So one of the favorite things I loved from that class is the trials. Anytime that we were exploring a certain uh, time in history or a certain character or figure, uh, we had trials, and everyone in the class had to take a certain role. Um, I was a prosecutor, um, <laughs> and I forget, I, I think Eugene Debs was on trial. Um, and, and, and so we had a jury, we had a judge, we had 
the characters. Um, we had witnesses and testimonials. And so what was fun about that is we had to, you know, take stock of all the facts and all the information. But the fun part, and this is where we really solidified our understanding of the material, is we had to understand, all right, let's say I'm on trial. You know, for me, what am I trying to prove? What his motivations were, uh, what the pitfalls were, what the context was, what his motivations and aspirations were or fears were. For the jury, you know, what were outsiders thinking at the time or people within the community thinking at the time? You know, how would they process this? Um, for the people that took the role of certain characters, um, whether they were on trial or other witnesses, they had to think of, you know, what is other context? What other things are in between the lines? Um, how are things related to each other that I may bring up in this trial? So, uh, and then on top of that, then we all felt like, you know, drawing from our inferences about being in the world of law. You know, what do we know about lawyers? What do we know about being on a jury or defending yourself or being a witness? So we also kind of had to do our own research on that. You know, what do we know about being in that setting, in a kind of courtroom, even if it's just our classroom? So, so all of those skills, you know, I think it was, um, you know, again, being creative. You know, how do we bring this to life? How do we tie this to other things in our current lives today, even though it happened, you know, long ago? Um, how, how do we perform, you know, in front of an audience for each other um, so that we can convey effectively the points we're trying to get across. Um, so, so that's for me, I would say any moment where, you know, I had to, another quick example is um, in algebra eighth grade, we had to fill out tax returns. You know, our teacher said, you're going to need to know this. I think the taxes were just due last week. Um, and, and, and that really made it real. It did. You know, we all were assigned different incomes and, you know, profiles and we all crunched the numbers by hand. And, you know, then I had a breakthrough for me in algebra. I used to be terrible at math, but that, but that year um, I did well because I felt like I had something real and practical and relevant to apply it to. So, um, so yeah, that's been my experience. So making sure that as we develop these knowledge, skills, and dispositions, we also align experiences for students that will um, enable them to practice the knowledge and skills and um, simulate some real world experiences, whether it's the tax return or the simulated trial as you <laughs> as you <laughs> described. I love that you came up with these examples. Wow, that's great. <laughs> So, um, you know, thinking about our high school students, and some of them will want to leave high school and pursue a career in the startup field, um, what experiences might they take advantage of now while they're in high school that could help them develop some of these attitudes and, and skills that you have identified? Yeah. Um, so on my old team at Google, uh, Jamie Cassip, who uh, is still there, and uh, one of his phrases that resonates with me and I still apply to my own career. Instead of focusing on what company do I want to work for? What career do I want to have? What do I want to do when I grow up? He says, what problem do you want to solve? And then when it's framed that way, you're, there's a more intrinsic kind of motivation, you know, in terms of identifying what resonates with you. What do you see in your community or world or society or school? You know, whatever kind of scope you want that that draws your attention and, and, and just really kind of motivates you to dig deeper and, and make it better, make a difference. And then you work backwards from that. All right. Uh, so for me, um, I wanted, I'm actually, this is why I'm in education. 
I saw the power of these innovative learning experiences that I had that opened up my mind, that changed my life trajectory. And I saw that for my parents too. You know, they were the first to go to college in their families. And they had teachers who believed in them and empowered them and elevated them. So for me, that was the, not even a problem, an opportunity I wanted to expand. You know, how can we um, help expand that and make more of that happen in schools? And then for me specifically, it's through technology and innovation. So that motivated me to figure out, all right, well, what do I need to do to get there? Um, and, and, the, and the interesting part of that is, is a lot, for, especially for kids today, the jobs that they're going to have, the companies they're going to be at, they, don't, they might not even exist yet. Remind wasn't around when I was in school. <laughs> um, Google was barely around. Um, and so that's the kind of sometimes scary part is like you, you, know, you, you don't even know where you'll end up. But if you focus on the problem you want to solve, chances are it will fall into place. Um, and, and it will be more in line with what your passions are. Um, and so, so that's what I would say to students is, you know, look around. You know, what, what problems do you see? What opportunities do you see? What do you want to make a difference in? And then go from there. You know, find out, okay, well then first, do I need to talk to certain people? You know, if I care about the environment, um, maybe I can ask my teachers. Do they know anyone who, who knows anything about that? Uh, maybe I could go online and research you know, is there any um, more information I can find about that? Are there any events happening or any groups um, where I can learn more? And then kind of snowball from there. Um, and then um, I think it's about taking action and being proactive. Uh, I think, and that's probably the hardest thing to learn is, you know, knowing that you have the power to create opportunities for yourself. Um, one thing I talk about with college students is when they see a professor or find a professor that they're really excited about, they love their research or their work, meet with them. Offer, hey, you know, I'd love to help you with your research. I'd love to be your research assistant or do a project with you or, or work together on this. You know, I would even encourage K-12 through students to do this too. You know, if there's a teacher or, or someone or, or a topic that they're interested in, do an independent project on it. Um, you know, just, just put some ideas together and, and share it with someone and, and see where it can go. Um, and then, you know, the last thing I would also say is um, there's also existing kind of opportunities and, and programs and, and groups and schools that you might not think uh, will lead to something bigger down the road, but they actually do. Um, now, this phrase, I think, has a lot of baggage to it, extracurriculars. So uh, I don't want to put too much weight on that, but it's more about, again, what activities give you joy, uh, enlighten you, motivate you. And so there's kind of seeking out the problems you want to solve and, and what you want to do to make a difference. But then there's also the things that just, you know, lighten you up. And I think that's also very important because um, sometimes that's where we find inspiration and our motivation. So whether it's music, sports, volunteering, writing, you know, whatever it is, um, chances are there's probably some outlet for that existing within your school uh, that you can tap into. And then from there, you know, being on a team, on sports, for me on volleyball when I did that, um, that's where I also learned really important skills. And I learned how to work together with others. I learned how to challenge myself, learn new things, um, and even have to perform, you know, in games, um, and where it kind of comes on the line in, in front of other people. Um, so, so that's the other thing I would say is, you know, if there's already existing groups and there's something that aligns with what you're interested in, you know, it's, it's important because, again, it gives you joy 
you know, it, it's important to have that balance. And I think it's a, it's, it's modeling it for yourself as you're younger, you know, self-care and wellness and well-being, because uh, we always will need that. And then, but secondly, the skills and the experiences that you'll also gain from that, um, it will actually end up, you know, staying with you uh, far beyond uh, your school time. I love this idea of connecting a passion to a problem, uh, because in school, we oftentimes focus on students solving the problems, but not so much finding a problem. And mm -hmm. they have to have that skill to be able to find the problem if they're going to connect their passion to that problem. And once they connect the two of those, then it becomes very personal. I'm working on a problem I'm interested in, something that I'm really connected to as opposed to somebody else's problem. And I'm yep. maybe, maybe if I'm doing that, I'm doing it just because it's a living. Uh, but if I'm, <laughs> if I'm connecting my passion to a problem and I've actually asked questions that allow me to uncover uh, a problem and something that I'm really interested in, then I'm, I'm actually driven by that passion as opposed to driven by it's just a job kind of thing. So I think that's a really interesting lens um, for our students to apply and think about um, this idea from. Yeah, definitely. And the other exciting thing is, you know, entrepreneurship and startups. For students to, um, I think, I forget which school it was, but for one of their projects, students had to create a business plan, you know, for a business that they would start. And for some, it could be a really real tangible thing. It could be their blueprint for getting off the ground. For others, it would just be an extra t exercise to brainstorm it. Um, but that's another way to, I think, you know, start preparing yourself to enter that field later on. Because we don't know what companies there will be around. We, we might not even know what roles we'll have. Um, but we'll know, you know, generally what problems we want to solve, um, what activities, um, you know, inspire us that we feel, you know, we're really pumped to do. Um, you know, what kind of environments we may want to work in. You know, maybe we love being around a lot of people and, and being in big settings and having a lot of big visibility and impact, maybe, or maybe you want something a little smaller and intimate. Um, so those are the things you start to be more aware of when I think you have to think about in a um, almost kind of a, a demo or, or sandbox setting. Like, all right, let's say if I wanted to do something with this idea. In my ideal world, what would that look like? You know, what other people would I need? What other resources would I need? How would I want this to look and feel and, and, and work? Um, and so... You know, so that's another thing is, you know, I, I totally support students thinking about like if they if they had the full data themselves and, you know, if they wanted to just start something new from scratch on their own, you know, what would it be? Um, because that's from and now from the real entrepreneurs of today, that's that's really how it happens. You know, Brett, our founder, he saw the problem. He, it was his own problem. He had dyslexia growing up in school and he recognized how helpful it was for his teacher to be able to communicate with him and his brother and his parents um, and his coach. And so that was the problem he sought to solve. Actually, when he was in college, I think he came up with the idea for Remind. And he found some other you know, friends to work on it together, and, and that's where it began. So, uh, so that's, that's, it's, it's, it's um, important, I think, for us to share those, students, those stories with students so they can see that process, too. Um, I think there's this perception of success, you know, there's a lot of expected kind of pathways and careers you should go into and how to get there and then how it all happens overnight. Um, when, when actually, and this is another thing that um, I think my friend James Sanders, who, who founded Breakout EDU, uh, who used to be a teacher himself, you know, he's talking about how we need to iterate. 
in education. You know, and, and that kind of ties into growth mindset too, another kind of buzzword for us. But it's important because I think it's, it, it's, it's hard for students when they hear kind of one message, you need to perform this way on this test and in this class and, you know, do X, Y, Z. Whereas in practice, it's a lot messier. You know, you're going to fail. You're going to, you know, have to relearn some things and, and, and kind of figure it out along the way. But that's, that's how you'll really get to where you need to be. And that was important for me to learn too. You know, that helped me confront my fears with some of the skills and knowledge that I didn't feel I grappled as strongly. Um, so I think those, those traits and those kind of expectations, uh, I think, need to be reset um, so students feel like they'll be more prepared to enter into kind of more entrepreneurial realms. So very interesting, connecting your real-world experiences, uh, whether they be when you were in K-12 to now when you're working a at Remind, very interesting to hear this because it's very, um, very similar to what we've been working on and thinking about and hearing uh, from other from other sources too. So it's really great to hear this from somebody who's who's doing the work in the entrepreneurial world. Let's shift the conversation a little bit to the work environment at a Remind. And you you mentioned a few things earlier, um, like the swing sets and the hopscotch and the mm-hmm. the. Um, the kitchen and the basketball and things like that. So why is it important for something like that to be in an environment like you're working in? So what's the, what's the purpose of having something like that? Cause it's not real common in, in most businesses, at least maybe outside of Silicon Valley. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I think for us first, um, for employees, it's, it's for our well being. Um, you know, the whole philosophy here is, you know, if you take care of them, then they'll do their best. They'll feel cared for, they'll feel motivated, they'll feel supported, they'll feel like humans at work. Um, and so I think really the, the goal with those little things is to help us feel comfortable, help us feel human, you know, help us feel more creative and relaxed so we can really, um, really collaborate, really brainstorm, um, really crake through things. Um, so, and also I think it's to kind of reaffirm our values and our mission as a company and, and why we're here and how we're serving the education community. Um, we've, we could have added other elements that are not as school related or education related, but with the swings and the hopscotch and in the office I'm in right now, we call it the pencil room. There's a whole wall of pencils there's another room, I think it's the eraser room. It's erasers. Um, we have, uh, and then, I'm forgetting one other thing. I think we have, oh yes, we have a chalkboard wall um, where people can write in chalk, you know, their teacher moments and stories. So it, it's a reminder for us every day, you know, when we struggle with problems or challenges or it gets kind of crazy, you know, even just looking at those pencils or looking at that hopscotch, it reminds us, who are we here for? You know, it's just it's a nice visual kind of tactical reminder for us. I think um, that's really uplifting and, and it really matters. Um, no matter what role you have here, uh, which which I always love to see personally. And then the second function of that is when we have visitors. Um, and this isn't meant, I think, to like show it off or you know prove anything, but it's just to demonstrate to them. You know, this is what we value. And when you come into our space, we hope that. It, resonates with you in some way. We hope it looks familiar in some way. Yeah, it's fused in with some of the more techie things. Um, 
that's why I love that makerspace comment. It felt like a nice kind of blend of things that teachers and schools might see and are familiar with, but then infused with, you know, the tech kind of side of things. So, so that's also intentional. You know, we, this space is very open to the community where we've hosted events here, we've hosted visits here. And um, one of our values, we call it teacher obsession. And, and for us, that shows that, you know, we, we hope that this community feels that we get them, that we really care about them genuinely, and we're doing the best we can to support them. Um, and so those little things, you know, the, the hopscotch. I mean, one of my, um, our, our office manager, she saw a UPS delivery person come in, and he dropped the packages, and he did the hopscotch. <laughs> like, he just had to. He was so <laughs> giddy about it. But, that that was that was that when I heard that, oh man, it just it it felt really powerful that we could delight someone unexpectedly. Delight matters. Um, we have a little feature in our app where if you pull down and scroll, there's a little school bus that goes by. Yeah, you know, so it, so it lives in our product. It lives in our office. It's it's a ethos for us. It's delight. It's it's reminding us, you know, again, um, of our of our values, of our mission. Um, and, and it inspires us really. So, um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of kind of benefits to, to even something that's just as simple as some tape on the floor. There's a lot more to it. <laughs> so I like those two words, delight matters. And I think that from uh, recalling walking into, uh, to your office, it's definitely a delightful place. How could we bring some of that into K-12? Because sometimes, you know, our classrooms can be a little sterile with rows and not so Mm -hmm. much nice color on the wall and places for people to interact and sort of, you know, that, that brain, like make, make it a nice place for the brain to work. Do you ever, Mm -hmm. do you ever think of how K-12 education might benefit from some of bringing some of this delight experience into, into our walls? Yeah, and that's why I love having visitors because they help us appreciate the space we have here and it inspires them to take that back to their schools. Um, so lots of things. Color, just color. Anywhere you can, you know, smack some colored paper on the wall, add some, you know, cool posters, you know, let students help create that and add more vibrancy to your space. That, I think, is a win. Um, I think allowing for personalization um, and letting your identity shine through. So for us, we all have our own desks. I have a pink lamp on mine. I have little thank you notes from teachers, mementos. Um, some people have pictures of their family. Some people have little Nerf guns and dinosaur toys. Yeah. So everyone has Nerf guns. Oh yeah. That sounds good. Tomorrow, Randy, you're getting Nerf guns. (laughs) I got, I got a whole closet full of Nerf guns. Wow. (laughs) He will get you. Uh, you, have, you have to watch out, but so it's powerful to see everyone, you know, bring in their their own identities into work. Um, even with dress, you know, the the it's very casual. Um, we we rarely need to really dress up fancy, and I think that helps us feel more comfortable and at home. And um, and then we also have theme days. We had a little spirit week, where I think like one day was pajama day, one day was um, twin day. Um, you know, one day was Mad Men, you know, like, so, so anytime where you can kind of, um, instill camaraderie and, you know, silliness, uh, together, I think is also really important. 
um, and fun, you know? Um, what other things? Uh, this, this was uh, more for higher ed, but I, I wonder how you could do this for K-12. I'm sure there's a way. Uh, this was back when I was at Google. So in our big campus in Mountain View, uh, there's Google bikes and they're painted in the Google colors because it's to help people get across different buildings. And a CIO from Boise State saw that. He's like, I'm getting us bikes. So that way everyone can get around more easily. And then it's a nice, fun, little silly, lighthearted way um, to, to kind of, it's like our sense of identity here. Um, so we got some bikes and painted them blue and orange. And then now it's a big hit back at his campus. So if there's some, maybe it doesn't have to be a bike, but you know, what kind of, or I think at one school there's a golden keyboard and it gets passed around every month to different teachers um, and students, I think, vote on it. So, again, what other small little fun mementos can be passed around, almost as a ritual? Um, I think for us, we have a gong um, when we need to announce, you know, in all hands. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you have to get a little, be willing to have a little, um, you know, playfulness there. Um, so those are those are just some things I think uh, that I've heard from when visitors come. Um, oh, whiteboards—that's the other thing. I I'd love to see more whiteboards. Um, you know, it, it's there's nothing more powerful than having just a blank kind of canvas and markers and, and post-its and just seeing what can be done there. Um, but giving ourselves blank spaces to to just work with and play with. Um, oh, another powerful example I saw. This was at a school in Oakland. Um, so one teacher gave students choice in how their classroom was set up. So he recognized that some people like to work in small groups. So he had a little pod of some tables near each other in circles. And then he saw some people like to work individually. So they have their own individual desks. And then some people like to just be in rows, kind of like right next to each other, but not clustered. Um, and so in his classroom, you kind of saw these three different formats. And the students chose, you know, where they wanted to, to sit for the day. Um, and that was so cool, you know? So it, it just showed they, they have voice and, and flexibility in their environment, you know, what will feel comfortable and work for them. So, uh, so yeah, those are just some thoughts I have on how we can design spaces like that. So in education, designing the learning spaces is, is something, a conversation that we've been having, not only in our own district, but also it's getting pretty common in education too. Um, but we still have a lot, we have a long way to go from getting away from rows and, you know, somewhat relatively sterile kinds of learning environments and how that stimulates our creativity or the kinds of thinking and, and ways that we collaborate. Um, and I think you also gave us some ideas that we're going to bring into our own office possibly. Uh, it seems, <laughs> seems like Lynn was, uh, attracted <laughs> to some of those ideas. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what she brings yeah. in. <laughs> oh yeah. And I'm remembering two other things that actually I think I've taken for granted, uh, before, uh, sound. So you, you ask about what does it sound like too? So we have these bug bashes where we need to find, you know, issues in our product. And the theme, the, there's always a playlist happening in the background on Spotify. And it's related to whatever the product is. Um, and so that that actually is a nice ritual for us. Like it gets us into a different zone and gets us into this more kind of detective, like, okay, we got to find where are the bugs. And, and I remember seeing teachers talk about this too. It's like in the real world, most in most spaces now, you're able to look you know, put your headphones on, or even in the office, put on some music. Why can't students have that? Um, have students, you know, choose music in their classroom, or, or you have a playlist happening um, for certain activities. So, so that's another one. Sound is important too. And then the last one I would say 
um, we just we have this thing called workcation where a team will all go to another house together and we have kind of more higher level strategy sessions uh, but then we also cook all of our meals together and socialize together so it really feels communal um, and I know this is a little extreme or not as uh, exactly ap applicable to K-12 but the key thing we learned just by changing our environment, getting outside of our office, going outside, um, going to another room, another location, just, again, sparked new juices and collaboration for us. It, it, it was magical. Um, and I was even a little skeptical myself. You know, we, we went down to Santa Cruz, which was about an hour and a half away. Um, but it was, it was a totally different zone. Um, just even, even when we were inside the house and then we felt ourselves kind of burning out, we all went outside and sat around in a circle. And then we were getting into it. We were brainstorming how we can uh, resonate with students and, and kind of value props to them. So it's just so if you can get outside, um, change or, or just get up and walk around. I remember at Google, um, this was on the Google X kind of moonshots team. Sergey, the co-founder, anytime they were in a meeting and he felt like there was a lull, he would say, "All right, everyone, stand up. We're going to walk around for a minute. Just just move around." Get the get the blood flowing, so even just little things like that, I think that's super important too. Yeah, yeah a lot of a lot of great connections, and you know, in K twelve we do do retreats. What what can they look like? And uh, we recently had a fail fair with our admin team. <laughs> Connect, oh. Connecting that to your to your bugs. What as Randy says, you know, what are the bugs? Interesting. So um, we like to wrap up the show with one last question and ask you what you're thinking about these days. You know, what beautiful questions are floating around in your mind? What are you working on and what's inspiring you? I think delight. You know, I've, I've taken that for granted, but uh, there was a lovely article about liberal arts um, in startups and in tech, and one of the founders of Slack, another messaging tool out there, he studied philosophy in college, and he was talking about delight in that product. And one of the key hallmarks of Slack, there's always a lot of delight happening. When you first log in, there's a little silly quote. I think they say 60% of the time it works 100% of the time. You know, or we love Bob. <laughs> you know, just random silly things when you're logging in. So it delights you, like while you're waiting to get booted up. Um, there's, you can add little comments and reactions and emojis to messages that people post in a channel. We use that a ton. You can create your own ones. We have this parrot theme that we're all about in our office and there's parrots everywhere but but those things are important so so for me at a broader level I've been thinking about all right how can we delight our communities more you know and and yes yeah, so there's a business objective to it I've noticed and this was almost by accident when I saw that there was a huge growth in, in teacher adoption at some schools I emailed them and I asked hey like this is awesome you know how do you think this happened and when I noticed a lot of people said that they shared their feeling about something. You know, I love this app. I love that parents love this. It was it was very emotional. And then literally the next sentence would be, and then this is what I did about it. You know, I did a training or I did a presentation or whatever. And so it reminded me, all right, well, how do people feel? Do they feel delighted? Because if they do, then they're naturally going to want to go above and beyond. And it's kind of how the same philosophy here at Remind. When we're delighted, when we have Nerf guns and the swings and, you know, whatever, we are motivated to do more. So I've been trying to think about that more broadly. How can we delight at scale? <laughs> um, how can we care at scale? Um, and, and just make as many people out there feel um, 
excited and just joy and, um, you know, just, just really kind of pumped for something. So, so that's one thing I've been thinking about. And the other thing is, um, as I'm president of my college's alumni board, I'm actually going down to alumni weekend this weekend to volunteer. And I've been thinking about, you know, now that I'll kind of be president, what I really love most about is just getting into the weeds with people, you know, I'm biased to action. I love just making things, just hacking things, finding workarounds, just getting something done. I love in Sheryl Sandberg's lean-in book, done is better than perfect. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking about, you know, even as, as myself as a leader, how do I still feel like I'm executing? Uh, maybe at a high level, but but still feeling like I'm making progress. I'm 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 really making a difference, and it's not just all lip service and just talking about broad strokes and themes. Um, so, so I'm, I'm starting to kind of reach out to, to leaders I know, um, and maybe this could be another topic, um, but you know, just how do you make things happen you know, at different levels, um, within a team, within a school, within a company? Um, so yeah, those are a couple of things that have been inspiring me lately. So lots of exciting things going on in, in your world. And yes, we would love to talk with you more. <laughs> That's another topic. <laughs> um, thank you so much to Jordan for, for joining us. And you can connect with Jordan on Twitter at Jordan Pedraza. Well, this has been a delightful extension of our conversation from a month ago. So thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. This episode's question, what does the knowledge, skills, dispositions profile of a graduate look like in your school? What would you like to change after listening to this podcast episode? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would like to comment or just find out more about the resources and links we shared in today's episode, check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org. Look for season two, episode 35. We'd love for you to rate the show in iTunes. Let us know your star rating and consider leaving a one or two sentence review. If you have time to do that, you'll help new folks discover this content. That's it for now. We'll see you next episode for another conversation. Thanks again, Jordan. Thank you. Want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.